Bibles, take those, and we're going to uh, we're going to skip around some like we did last week. And while you're uh, getting your Bibles, let me just bring some of the young adults up to uh, to speed. We've been talking about freedom, talking about how that as followers of Christ that we should be able to experience freedom in our lives. And yet so many of us live from day to day in this spirit of bondage and we're always afraid of what's getting ready to happen or what's coming or just fear everywhere. And we don't have to be afraid because God said uh, that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I was just thinking just this week, and in fact, I heard the words come out of my mouth. We were talking about some financial, you know, strategies and things like that, and and I just said, hey, we're tithe payers, so it's God's problem, you know. I said it Sunday from the pulpit. We're tithe payers, then it, it you know, God's going to take care of us, because, and it came, when I was up sitting up on the side of the lake this week, it just came to my spirit when the Lord told us to test him and prove him and see if he will not pour out a blessing upon us that we can't contain. That's one of the things in scripture where he says, just try this, try this and see if I won't do it, if I won't keep my promise. And so God does. And here's the point I'm getting at. If we know that God keeps his promises, then we don't have to be afraid that he won't keep his promise. And we can be free from the worry. And we can be free from the bondage. And we can be free from the care. So this idea of freedom then is given to us. Romans 8.21 says that we have the glorious liberty of the children of God. Liberty is freedom. John 8, 36 says, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And so then we started this conversation about freedom and what is freedom. And last week we talked about how that freedom is life. I mean, you can't, you can't be free if you're not alive. You can't be free if you're dead. Now, I mean, obviously I'm not speaking in physical terminology here, but I'm talking in spiritual terms. You can't be free unless you've been born again. You can't be free unless there is new life in you. But once there is new life in you, then you can expect to be free. So the definition that we talked about last week is this. Freedom is life that is controlled by truth and motivated by love, which leads to maturity. Let me say that again. Freedom is life that is controlled by truth and motivated by love leading to maturity. So last week we talked about the fact that freedom is life. Now, we had just gotten to the part where we started talking about freedom is life controlled by truth. (coughs) So we're going to jump in right there. Now, who has your Bibles? Uh, I need some readers tonight. Who will get John 14 and 6 for me? St. John 14 and 6, Donna Gillen Water, you've got it. Who will get 1 John chapter 5, verse 6? Volunteer? Miss Donna, you've got that one. Who will get John 17 and 17? Who will do that? Lee, you've got that one. And then who will get 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15? Volunteer? 
1 Timothy 3.15. Mildred, you have that. Okay. And we're going to read this passage. Oh, wait, I've got one more. 2 John 4. Oh, wait a minute. Did we, did we read these last week? Did we get these last week? You don't remember them, so we're going to do them again in case we did. 2 John 4. Who will get 2 John 4 for me? Anybody? We already read those? Then let, let's, let's move on then. Let's go. Don't, don't do those. In just a minute, I'll give you some, all of you people who just volunteered, I'm going to reward you. In just a minute, I'll give you some more. <clears throat> we had just stopped in my notes with this statement. God's truth will not just inform us, but it will also transform us. So it gets back to this principle that we've talked about now for several months where that we need knowledge because we, we, can't, we can't operate clearly without knowledge. We have to have an understanding of what it is that we're facing. But once we have the information, then God anoints us by his spirit and through his spirit and we experience transformation. And here's the problem that we have. Oftentimes, we want God just to transform all of us and all of our issues at one time. Just do it right now, Father. Just do it right now. I'm completely transformed, and I don't have any more issues. It's all good. Now, how many of you know that it does not work that way? You, you have to bite these things off a little bit at a time. I, I tell you, I, the Lord's really been doing a work in me the last few weeks. I read someone made this comment, and, and, and when I read it, something just sparked in me. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I need for you to help me with that because I'm not very good at that. And what I, what I read was is that contentment is not having everything that you want, but wanting everything that you have. Now, let me say that again. Contentment is not having everything that you want, but it is wanting everything that you have. Have you ever had to tell the Lord, Lord, I would not have chosen this path. I would not have chosen this way. I would not have chosen this place. I would not have chosen this thing, but that's where I am. And Lord, you said in your word that I could be content, that that I could have contentment. Now, I could have the peace of God that passes all understanding. <clears throat> and you said that I could have that at all times, at, in, in any time. And so, Lord, I may not have chosen this path, but, Lord, for me to be spiritually mature means that I can be content even in this circumstance that I would have never selected and chosen for myself. And I've been praying that over myself. I've been saying, Lord, there, have been, there, there are a few things in my life that I wouldn't have chosen. There have been a few things that I wouldn't have wanted to do. There's a few things that I, that, you know, that I wouldn't have just gone out and done this. But Lord, if you've directed my path, and the scripture says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. If you've directed my path, Lord, then what I need to learn how to do is be content and at rest and peaceful even in this situation. And when I can find that contentment and that rest and that peace, then guess what? I'm free. I am free from the worry of it. And so, so we, we, you know, we, we think, okay, Lord, I want you to just 
I just want you to fix all my stuff right now. But it doesn't happen that way. It's a lifetime journey. And it takes time to work through all these things. It transforms us. Now, here, here's what I want to say. If we've been trying to see transformation in our lives for a while and we're not seeing that transformation, what's the problem? I mean, who, who is at fault? If we're praying, Lord, change me, Lord, transform me, and yet that transformation is not happening, where does the fault lie? It, it lies with us. And so after a while, we have to come to a place where we say, okay, Father, I've been praying about this for months. I've been praying about this for weeks. I've been praying about this for years, but nothing is changing. So, Father, I have to start doing something different than what I've been doing if I'm going to see the transformation take place. I have to change the words that I speak. I have to change the places that I go. I have to change the things that I'm doing. I have to change my attitude. I have to want this more than anything else so that I will pursue it with the, with, with the consistency that I need to pursue it with. And then transformation takes place over time. It takes a while. And so truth will not just inform us, but it will transform us so that we can become more and more like Christ. Now, in our world today, we have lost the concept of absolute truth. Would you not agree with that? I mean, I, I, I talked about it some Sunday and how that we struggle with our identity, how that we struggle with who we are, even down to the fact that now there are men and women who are who are, who are debating whether they're male or female based on what they feel or what they think rather than on the chromosomes and the facts and things of that nature. Because, and, and it's all a part of this, this, this mindset that there is no such thing as absolute truth. In other words, today the mantra is what is truth for you may not be truth for me. What is truth for you may not be truth for me. Now I want to walk very delicately here because I don't want anyone to think that I'm being judgmental because I'm really not. But you know, here in Louisville, we're, we're faced with the reality that one of the great Louisvillians of all time has passed from this life. Muhammad Ali passed away this week. He was a staunch and a devout Muslim and, and has been for years. Good man, involved in a lot of wonderful things, a lot, a, a very, very active in, in, in social issues and things of that nature. From all indications, a great, great man. But then we have to ask ourselves the question, though, is it good enough just to be great? Is it good enough to pick a religious belief and give your whole life to that, but then in the end, I, ha I haven't accepted Jesus. I have rejected Jesus. Now, again, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I don't know him. I, I've never had a conversation with him. I cannot say what his spiritual condition was when he passed. I do not know that. 
But what I am saying is, is that this book teaches that in order for us to have eternal life, we must believe in Jesus Christ. If we're going to make it to heaven, then we have to accept Jesus Christ as the only begotten son, not one of many, but the only begotten son who came and lived and died and rose again and now is seated in the heavenlies with the Father. Now, if we don't believe that, we can choose to live our lives any way we want to, and we can be good people. We can do good things. We can have acts of kindness that flow out of our lives. But the bottom line is, is that I must believe with my heart and in my mind, and I must confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, or I'm not saved. And so right now, I mean, we're talking about this. It's conversation in Louisville because, because of his passing. We're talking about Islam and talking about how great uh, the, the religious system is and all that. And the news anchors are, are, I heard one of them say today, it really doesn't matter, you know, what you believe uh, as long as you're a good person. And yet we believe that the scripture teaches that it's much more than just being a good person. And so I use that as an example, not to be judgmental or not to say, well, you know, I don't know about him I, because I don't know, but to say that this is an example of how that our world has said, it doesn't matter if you accept Jesus Christ or not, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, as long as you're a good person and as long as you do good things and as long as you find a pathway and follow that pathway, somehow all of those pathways are going to converge and we're all going to wind up in the same place. Whether you studied Islam and followed Islam or whether or not you were a Mormon or, or whether or not you were in the New Age movement or whether or not you followed Buddha or whether or not you followed Confucius or whatever you followed, if it is not a belief in Jesus Christ and accepting him as Lord and Savior, then if, if we believe this Bible is true, then that is the determining factor as to whether or not we'll spend eternity in heaven. Do you see what I'm saying? And now, I, I told you Sunday, I don't worry about hell. I, I'll talk about it every now and then because it is a reality. It is there. It is where people will go who reject the sonship of Jesus Christ. I can't change that. I wish I could. I wish I could just say, everybody's going to go to heaven, and there are those who say that. I wish I could, but the reality is that the Scripture speaks about heaven and hell. And hell is for those who reject Jesus Christ. Heaven is for those who accept Jesus Christ. That is truth. So how does that relate to freedom now? It relates to freedom in this way. If I believe that, and if I have made the necessary arrangements to believe in Jesus Christ and I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior, then I'm free from worry. I don't have to worry about hell. I don't have to worry about how hot it may be there. I don't have to worry about how big it is. I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm going to meet my neighbor down there one day. I'm not going to have to worry about all those things because I have focused 
upon the one thing that can give me eternal life, and that is Jesus Christ. So truth is absolute. It is not what is truth for you may not be truth for me. Psalm chapter 119 and verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So let's think about this idea of absolute truth now. How many of you have ever done any carpentry work at all? Can I see your hands? I mean, whether you're good or bad, if you've done any at all, you know that you have to measure stuff, right? I mean, if, if, if it calls, if the pattern calls for three and three quarters inch and you got to make a cut, you got to measure it exactly right because if you don't, it's not going to fit. And I didn't know this until some guy told me he had applied for a job and got the job with this construction company. But they told him, as a condition of your employment and working for us, you have to have this particular brand of tools. You can't use just anything. You can't get in your toolbox and just find the tool of the day. I don't care if it was your great-grandfather's from 200 years ago. You can't do that. You have to have a particular set or brand of tools. Why? Because they're all consistent. If I use my tape measure and it's a DeWalt, do they, do they make them DeWalt tape measures? It, it, a cheap one, yeah. If, if, you, if you use a De, DeWalt and the next guy is using a Stanley they may be very different. They may be off just a hair. And therefore, your cuts won't be the same. And when you put a house together and you start at this end, if you're off even just a millimeter, by the time you get to the end of the wall, you're, you're off completely. And so the building's not square and it's not built properly. So we're talking about absolute truth. So measurements are absolute, feet and inches, meters and millimeters, pints and gallons, feet and miles, pounds and ounces. How many of you have ever baked a cake? You know, you, you got to get your measurements just right, or it may not turn out the way that you think it should. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because my wife has warned me to not preach or teach if it has anything to do with cooking, because I don't know how to do it. So that's all I'm going to say. I do know that if your recipe calls for a certain amount of something and you don't stay with that certain amount of something, then it's not going to turn out right. Without those standards, we would be living in absolute confusion. Aren't you glad that there are speed limits on the roads? I mean, aren't you glad that you know that if you go down this road, it's 25 miles per hour, or down that road, it's 35 miles per hour, and everyone is to abide by those, and you know what happens? If they don't, if they speed, and if a police officer catches them, what does he do? He pulls them over, and he says, you were speeding, and I'm going to give you a ticket. Oh, but, but officer, I thought it was free range here. I thought you could just drive as fast as you wanted to. I didn't know that we abided by these limits. But you see, we live life by absolute truth. So freedom is controlled by truth. Last Sunday when I was setting up the camper, 
And this is my second time to do it. I've never, I've never set up a camper before, but I knew that they have to be level. And I didn't get it very level this time. You can ask my wife. I, I felt like I was, I was sleeping with my head down in, in a hole or something because the front of the trailer was up more than it should be. But I couldn't get it level because of the, the, the lot that we were on and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't get it. So I looked over about two lots down and there's this guy. Uh, he had his perfectly level and you could tell by looking at it. And he had all these different devices and gadgets and things like that. He had boards and he had tire chocks and he had all that stuff. And so I just decided I'm going to go talk to that guy. It looks like he knows what he's doing. And I took my coffee and I went down there and I started a conversation. I said, look, I'm a newbie. I'm trying to find out how to go about leveling my trailer the way that yours is. And he started, oh, that's all it took, man. Well, you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to have this and you got to have these and you got to have, I said, how did you get it up on the boards? I said, because, because he had three, he had three two by sixes stacked on top. And I said, how did you get it up on there? How did you back it up? He said, I didn't. He said, I backed it all the way to the end and I put the boards where I wanted them and then I pulled forward and climbed up on the boards. And I said, I should have been able to figure that out. But I'm too stupid to know that. And so I told him, I said, you know, I, I, I said, my, my greatest concern is safety. I said, I, I, I said you know, this I can, I can deal with, I, I can handle that. And he said, well, you got to remember, he said, you're walking around on the floor that is supported by four rubber wheels. He said, it's not like walking on concrete. He said, it's never going to be absolutely stable, even if it is absolutely level. He said, it can be absolutely level and still not be absolutely stable because your trailer is sitting on four rubber tires. And when you go to this side of the trailer, it's going to lean a bit, a little bit. And when you go back to this side, it's going to lean back a little bit that way. He said, but as long as you have everything uh, buttoned down, he said, everything's going to be okay. Because I told him, I said, well, I went to bed last night. I said, my head was below my feet. And I said, I dreamed all night long that the tire chocks came out from those tires and my trailer ran all the way down the hill into the lake. And I said, I could not sleep because I was so worried that I was going to have to go swimming before the night was out. <laughs> and he, he calmed my fears and he said, no, he said, it, it, he said, they're designed to be here or whatever. And he explained it very well. And he said, tonight when you go to bed, he said, just relax. He said, it's okay he said, I can see what you've done, even though it may not be level, you're safe, you're okay. And I thought, oh, praise God, I'm glad to hear that. You know, but, but absolutes, level is level, and unlevel is unlevel. And it, it, it brings a different effect de de determining whether or not it's measured properly. So, now, let's talk about false freedom. There's, there's such a thing as false freedom. Did you ever know somebody that believed a lie for so long that they were now comfortable with a lie? I mean, they believed a half-truth 
or a no truth for so long that now they, they just accepted as truth. They maybe at the beginning, they knew it wasn't true, but they started justifying it. And so justifying living that way and justifying thinking that way, but it was not true until they accepted it as their truth. But it will never be anything other than a false truth. It cannot be truth because it does not fit with actuality. We've just made, just like in the Old Testament, when they made their own gods, They'd go get wood and and metal and gold and they would craft these these, uh, gods and they would set those gods up and they would bow down and worship gods that they had created with their own hands. Well, you know, it doesn't take much for me to think, what kind of idiot would do that? You know, what what kind of uh, imbecile would say, I'm going to make my own god? I'm going to go down to Lowe's and I'm going to get more, or Home Depot and I'm going to get me some, some wood and I'm going to chisel that thing out and hammer it together and I'm going to set it up in my house and I'm going to make my own God. That just make, it makes me, it's just crazy, isn't it, to think that. And yet throughout history, people have done that and they believed with such tenacity that it became truth to them. It became a God to them. And before we get off of that, we can create our own gods. We can create our own idols. I used to know some guys that, this is back in the days when, when Church of God had Sunday night services at six o'clock. I don't know if you remember that or not, but we used to have church on Sunday morning, Sunday school, then Sunday morning, then Sunday night at six o'clock, and then Wednesday night, and sometimes on Friday night. And if the pastor called for a revival, we had revival 24 hours a day, it seemed like. But these guys loved the Dallas Cowboys so much that they just flat wouldn't come to church on Sunday night. And they would tell you right up front, Pastor, Whenever football season starts and the Dallas Cowboys are playing, we won't be there. I said, well, I, you know, I don't guess I understand that, especially since you have DVRs and you can record the games and all that. They said, because we got idiots in the church that always call us and tell us what the outcome of the game is before we can get home and watch it. So we just don't come to church. And we create our own little things that give us this false sense of truth that is not truth at all. And it doesn't bring freedom at all either. So there's a false freedom. 2 Peter chapter 2 tells us that in the last days, the church is going to be full of preachers and teachers who are not preaching and teaching the truth. They are not preaching the word of God. Now, I, you know my stand on, on Christian television. I think, I, I think there are some fine people on there. And I think there are some that, man, they just walk right through the word with you and they preach it straight and they preach it the way that it is. And then I've heard others. I, I heard one, one high-profile prophet just recently and watched the entire show And never heard one passage of scripture shared at all through the whole show and not one word tying the prophetic voice 
to the things of Scripture. And I thought to myself, now how am I going to know whether or not what you're prophesying is true? Because the only way that I know to see if it's true is that I've got to read every article now from you and I've got to keep up with you from now to the day that you die to make sure that what you said is either true or false. Because the scripture tells us that we need to be aware of false prophets. And if somebody prophesies falsely, they are to be marked and they they are to be identified as false prophets so that the church will say their prophecies are not true. And so I cannot live my life according to what this individual may say. Another way is to look at their lives. Are their lives being seen in scripture? I mean, the the fruit of scripture being seen in their lives. It's real hard for me to want to hear People preaching to me that can't stay married. And we've got people who are preaching on television regularly who have divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried. Now listen, I understand that divorce happens sometimes. But when it becomes habitual, when it becomes something that is a a regular thing with them, I think that the church needs to stand up and say, I should watch myself around this kind of mentality because scripture is very clear about the dangers of divorce. Are you with me? And so it becomes our responsibility. That's the reason we don't walk in freedom. That's the reason we don't have this sense of peace because we're being taught things and, and, and people are preaching things and teaching things and prophesying things to us that do not align with the word of God. And so we must be careful because it's a false freedom. If it's something that you have to work hard to believe, there could be a, a chance that it is not true. And it is false instead. So the freedom that we're talking about is controlled by truth. Okay. Somebody give me Psalm chapter 37, verse 8. Can you do that, Donna Gillen Water? All right. I need somebody to get Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Who, uh, anybody? Donna, you get that? Galatians 5, 22. James 1, 19 through 20. Who was one of my other volunteers a minute ago? Lee, you got that? Philippians 4, verses 5 through 7. Uh, Who was it? Was that Mildred? Philippians 4, 5 through 7. (coughs) Now, I'm sorry. James was uh, 1, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Now, we're going to switch now our thoughts from freedom is life controlled by truth to now we're going to talk about freedom is life controlled by truth but motivated by love. Motivated by love. Now how many of you know it's possible to tell somebody the truth but say it in such a way that it's harmful. To say it in such a way that it does more damage than it does good. Now, let let me give you a very obvious example. 
we live in a very different world than the one I grew up in because it was perfectly acceptable for preachers to stand up and for the people of God to point our fingers in people's faces and say, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. Now, we used to do that all the time. Now, you may not have been in a church like that, but I was in a church like that. We were taught to be very aggressive with the message of the gospel, even if you had to offend. Now, listen, there are times that our our conversations will come to a place where offense may be taken. But it is not whether or not offense happens, but whether or not it is motivated by our desire. We're just going to tell it like it is. We're just going to say it whether you like it or not. We're going to do it. But if we don't approach the world with love, we're never going to win them to Jesus Christ. And we're in a world today, as we've been talking about all this false truth, and, and, and I, I, was it today I heard on news that this is uh, LBGT month? And, and we're and, and America, we're, we're honoring all of the LGBT people in the United States. And, and so now, as Christians, we have to make a choice here. We can either stand up, and we can go to our Facebook pages and, and bind them up and send them all to hell. Or we can start loving the society that we are in in such a way that they will see Christ in us and see that there's a difference in us. And then ultimately, hopefully, be led to the reality of Jesus Christ. So we have to be careful that when we speak the truth... We speak it in love. Now, who has Psalm chapter 37, verse 8? Is that you, Donna? Read it as loud as you can so that we can all hear it. Psalm 37 and verse 8. It will only lead to what? So if I understand right, anger leads to harm. Is that right? Wrath leads to harm. And what's the other one? To fret, it only leads to harm. And to envy others. So if we envy others, if we we take wrath into our spirit... And if we, all, if we walk around with this anger chip on our shoulder, what does the scripture say about that? It only Okay. Did you see that word only? It only leads to In other words, no good can come from it. It doesn't produce some good fruit. It doesn't produce some good things. It says anger and wrath and envy only produces harm. So have you ever been angry with anyone? (laughs) Have you ever ever felt a sense, even if it was just for a few minutes, a twinge of revenge? Did you ever feel that? Now, if we settle on that long enough, 
we can talk ourselves into believing that that's holy. It's holy. I, I should feel that way. I should feel that way because they, they have spoken heresy. Bless God. Twinge of revenge. And we, we feel that. And you know the scripture says, be careful that you don't let a root of bitterness grow up in your spirit. You know what that is? I mean, that, it, just, it just grows within you. And it's there. It's that if you feel those things, if you experience those things, and if you act on those things, it doesn't produce a little bit of fruit and a little bit of bad fruit, a little bit of good fruit and a little bit of rotten fruit. No, it says it only can produce wrath. It can only produce harm. Okay, so if I'm angry then what is my responsibility? If I want to be free, how do I get free if I'm angry with somebody? Anybody know? Anybody want to answer? Yes. Forgive. That's a great place to start. Praise a wonderful place to go. <coughs> I'm sorry? Repent? Because sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes we started the whole mess. Anything else? See, sometimes I think that we think that this is just some big spiritual happening. If I just pray, oh God, I'm angry with that person. Will you now please make it so that I'm not angry anymore? And you know what? God never does that. He doesn't do that. He, he calls upon you to discipline yourself and to put down the anger. Yes, ma'am. Woo. That's right. That's another great place to land. Absolutely. Long suffering. They do it time after time after time after time after time after time. And the scripture says, well, how often do I have to forgive them? How many times? Seven times, right? Seventy times seven? Oh my goodness. How much is that? 490 times every day? I have to forgive you 490 times every day? No. More than that. Because when you get to 491, what are you going to do? Cut their throat? <clears throat> no, you're going to say, well, this is not a mathematical equation. This is a spiritual principle. I live my life by forgiveness. You remember what Larry Timmerman said a couple of years ago to us? He said, it is impossible for you to offend me. You cannot offend me. Why? Because I choose not to be offended. You can try all you want to offend me, but you can't offend me if I choose not to be offended. So it's my choice. And when I make that choice, then I am free of the offense because I wouldn't take the offense anyway. You can't make me mad. Who has Galatians 5.22? 
Against such things, there is no law. What's that talking about? Is it talking about a governmental law? No. It's talking about if you do those things, you're free to do those things anytime. Because anytime they would be appropriate. So you don't have to pray about whether or not you should put on those mentalities, <coughs> those attitudes. We think, well, I need to pray about this. I'm mad at you. I need to pray about it. No, you don't have to pray about it. You really don't. Right there on the spot, all you have to do is say, forgiven. No big deal. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. You shouldn't lose any sleep over it either because I've forgiven. Let's move on. Let's go forward. No, no. I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to tell you what, I might forgive you and I might not forgive you. And now we've created this, this situation where it's going to blow up and get out of hand. Instead, just say, don't worry about it. I don't take, I don't choose to take the offense. And so you can't offend me if, if I won't be offended. Boy, isn't that a great place to be? That's a wonderful place to be. Who has James 1, 19 and 20? Lee, go ahead. First of all, it says, let every man, <coughs> not just 10 of us. I'm on, I'm on the, uh, the, the loving committee. I'm on the committee. So no one else has to love just the people that are on the committee. No, it says, let every man be swift to hear. That means listen to the whole story, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man often produces the righteousness of God. Is that what it says? No, it says it does not. It cannot. Isn't that what thought Psalm 37, 8 said? It says it only causes harm. And now here we are in the New Testament and James is saying the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. One more passage tonight. Philippians 4, 5 through 7. Who has that? Mildred, go ahead. Yeah, did you hear that? The peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, what's that a result of? It's a result of refusing to be anxious about anything. Anxiety is not freedom, is it? No. Anxiety is not freedom. If you're anxious, you're not free because you're worried. So it says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything. What are we supposed to do? Take your request unto the Lord, and he will give us the peace of God that passes all understanding. So tomorrow, when somebody makes you mad, when somebody upsets you, say, oh, no, 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 I'm free. I'm free. I don't have to carry that around. I'm free. You don't have to tell them. I know you tried to upset me, but I didn't, I didn't receive it, bless God. Now, you don't have to do that. Just decide in your mind, I'm not going to let that bother me. 
It hasn't changed my standing in Christ. I'm still a child of God. I'm still an heir of the Father. I'm still a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm still on my way to heaven. If I die today or if, I, if, if the rapture takes place, heaven is going to be my eternal home. This is no big deal at all. I refuse to be upset. I am free, free, free. And you can choose to live that way. And that's what I'm talking about. We're talking about freedom. I want to see some people transformed. I want to see some people waking up in the morning and instead of waking up like this, I want you going, hey, this is a day. I'm free. Praise the Lord. He gave me a day to be free because of his goodness and his grace and his mercy. You say, well, but everybody around me is a, you know, a bad apple and everybody, and I can't, yeah, well, be free right in the middle of them. Just right in the middle of them, be free. I close with this. Right in the middle, that made me think of Taco Bell. <laughs> I hate Taco Bell. It's like, I don't know, it's like eating Alpo or something to me. It, it feels like that. Every now and then, Donald says, let's go to Taco Bell to lunch. I'm going to say, just because I love you. But I have also discovered on their menu these things they call delights. Have you had them? Oh, my Lord, goodness. They're filled with Glory. And they're fried on the outside. And they've got sh- brown sugar cinnamon on the outside. And they're about the size of a donut hole. So you can eat, you can eat one and it won't, it won't hurt you. I mean, if you, if you eat them one at a time all day long, it'll hurt you. But if you just eat one. And I just take that thing and pop it in my mouth and just let it sit there. Mm. And then there's the grand finale when you actually squeeze all of that glory out of the delight. And it pops onto the side of your cheeks and on your lips and it's good. And Sometimes you got people all around you that they're hard and they're crusty and they're deep fried. And you just got to be the delightful goodness right in the middle of all of it. And that's what freedom will do for you. You can be free anywhere you are, anytime. Isn't that good news? Thank you, Father, for freedom. And thank you for these lovely people who have come tonight to commit themselves to studying your word. Let it take hold in their spirit. And may they, Father, find that freedom that they want so desperately. I ask it in Jesus' name. Go with us. Keep us in your care. Protect us. Guide our steps. Guard our hearts. And bring us back Sunday so that we might worship you together. In Jesus' name. Amen.